0: Hello and welcome to Talking Indonesia podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Purdy, from the Australia Indonesia Centre. Today's topic is protecting Indonesia's migrant workers. And my guest is Anis Hidaya, co-founder of the NGO Migrant Care. Anis has received several awards for her work, including the Alison DeVorge Award for Extraordinary Activism from Human Rights Watch in 2011, and the Yap Tiemhien Award for Human Rights in 2014. Anis was recently in Sydney to deliver the Herb Feith Memorial Lecture. Anis, thank you so much for being here. Can I ask you to start by telling us what motivated you as a university student to get involved with advocacy for migrant workers?
1: Maybe in 1997, I read a newspaper about the case of Indonesian women domestic workers being raped in Saudi Arabia from Jember, that where I'm studying law in the University of Jember, then the newspaper said that they have no access to justice. The family is very difficult to receive in the integration process. Then. I joined in the student organization from many discussions about the migrant workers. I then reflected that actually I grew up in the community that maybe more than half of my community being migrant workers abroad. I remember playing with so many children that uh, their parents are uh, going to Saudi, to Malaysia, and how poor they are. Yeah, in my community, the houses from bamboo, with the front floor and then i am intensively to join the discussion about that issue one year later i'm joining the solidaritas perempuan in okay. east java that right. also the best came in a chamber at the time the only NGOs that focus are not focusing the uh, migrant workers. So a women's advocacy group. Yes, Then so I write my thesis on uh, Jember University about the uh, violence against women migrant workers. And so you say that maybe half of the village or half
0: of the community, the parents mm. were overseas.
1: And until it's still happening, mm-hmm. uh, many of them still in Malaysia. So when I was Malaysia was the destination? Yeah, Malaysia and Saudi. So when I founded Migrant Care, when I'm uh, coming back to my hometown mm-hmm. we, we always have the discussion with, with them in my community about their work in Malaysia right what happened they're kind of your
0: reference group in a way yeah like you always go back to them because that was where it began for you mm-hmm. yeah and they have this many decades of experience of working overseas yeah yes, yes.
1: Mm-hmm. okay
0: all oh, right fascinating and so and you mentioned migrant care that you established In 2004, Mm -hmm. why did you do that? No other organization was representing
1: workers' rights? In Indonesia, at the national level, some NGOs concerned on migration issues. Solidaritas Perempuan still there, and Kopumi and others. But we feel that we still need NGOs that are stronger to pressure the Indonesian government to take responsibility about the case, about how to make better regulation about migrant workers and also not only working at national level but how to have the networking at regional and international level using ILO using UN to raise this issue to pressure Indonesian government we will talk about that a little
0: bit in a moment can you just paint a picture for us how many indonesian migrant workers are currently working overseas
1: yeah we estimated Around 7 million Indonesian migrant workers working overseas. What countries mostly? Mostly in Malaysia and in uh, Saudi, but there are many receiving countries, around 189 receiving countries. Mostly women, I think more than uh, 60%, they are women and working in the vulnerable sector as migrant domestic workers. In Malaysia, we calculated we have 2.5 million. million. In Saudi, 1.5 million. In Saudi, all of them working in the domestic. domestic. Yes. And you say that they're vulnerable. Why is that? Uh, they're vulnerable because they're women. and At that time, domestic workers not recognized as workers in many receiving countries including sending countries like indonesia didn't regulate domestic worker under the law they work but not recognized as worker it's like informal worker because the sector is in in home in family right and so therefore they're vulnerable but they're not protected by any laws yeah. not the laws of the country they're in or the laws of the country they're coming from yes yes, yes. so in, in the law also the culture the culture of many countries like Indonesia also, the patriarchal culture make women more vulnerable because, yeah, discrimination. them treated them like second citizen, uh, limited access for many things. So what would conditions be like for these women?
0: Would they work seven days a week? Would they have access to outside? Yes, like
1: in Saudi in Malaysia, they work almost 20 hours every day, with no rest, no holiday, even they don't know outside of the home from their employer because the access is only working and working. In Saudi for example, in one house they have a big house with 10 children, for example, it's very busy to take care of the many babies, cooking, cleaning, for everything. So they don't have time to rest and you know, also the food. Every day they're still hungry, And many of them sleeping in the toilet. So, and still happen until now. Still happens. Yes. The statistic decreased, but actually, still happen in Malaysia and in Saudi. This year also, Suyanti, the domestic workers from Indonesia, originally from Medan, been tortured by her employer Datin, so mm. is high class in in Malaysia, mm-hmm. and the legal process is uh, free for her employer. But what are the benefits for Indonesia of
0: sending women and men overseas, and what are the benefits for for the women and men and their families?
1: For the country, last year the remittance from Indonesian migrant workers around one eight four. Um, billion as speak and how this money make the development in the community in their community growing up without remittance I think many villages many districts mm-hmm. will die because the development in the Soharto era SPY era only centralize the big cities not in the rural area where migrant workers coming from so okay
0: so there's clear benefits and that's why there's the continuous source of people who are willing to work overseas Yeah, yeah they,
1: yeah, they can build the new house they can continue their children to going to the school and many things but my green always said who uh, can build the house and saving money to continue their children to go to a school lucky not uh, because of state protection, because under the very worst law about uh, migrant workers, everyone uh, going abroad to work is vulnerable to be victim of human rights violation.
0: And so there have been changes, right? And this is where migrant care's work has been so important, where Mm -hmm. over the last decade or two, you've been lobbying, lobbying, lobbying for changes in the law to better protect migrant workers. So can you tell us about some of those big changes that have happened in the last few years.
1: Yeah, uh, last year is the victory for us. The parliament finally adopted the new law, the law number 18, 2017, about the protection of Indonesian migrant workers. After seven years in discussion in parliament, two period of parliament, it's very hard for us to advocate uh, this law, different government, yeah. different political situation. On the first period uh, of the parliament, 2010 until 2014, it's quite difficult for us because some members of the parliament at the time, in the Commission 9 and other Commission. Um, this is the Commission looking at the rights of migrant workers. But in that time, uh, the period of 2009 and 2014, Indonesian Parliament formulated the PANSUS. It's like general committee for discussing the law. It's mean not only from the Commission 9 that responsible uh, to migrant workers, so open, and some people also from another Commission also have the recruitment agencies. So, it's very hard, and the time. So this is politicians <clears throat> are involved in
0: businesses. Yes. That are in fact being very member. much invested yes. in the industry of sending migrant like yes. workers overseas. The recruitment yes. agencies. Yes. Maybe we talk about that in a little bit. But so this is this process. So basically, during that 2010 to 2014 Parliament, nothing could happen.
1: Only result uh changing the the title of the law at that time. So, so four one years period. To yes. To change the title. One period. Right. We changed the previous law, law number 39, 2004, about placement and protection of Indonesian migrant workers. Then changing the law about protection and placement. Uh, It's very hard. It's very emotional because we know... um, All the
0: time you are hearing stories from people overseas. Yes,
1: (laughs) yes. And we know they bring uh, academic paper from the five universities supporting the recruitment agency's role. The opposite? Yes. Right. So (laughs) you're working against... Various forces. <laughs> they mobilize the universities to make the academic paper supporting the role of the recruitment agencies in the revising of the law. So that's, we make deadlock. Okay. So our, our statement from civil society, it's better deadlock. Okay. Uh, because in the time Indonesia also are not ratified yet the UN Convention. So maybe we can push ratification. That's then, an and after that, uh, we starting again the revision of the law. Then so 2012, you... ratification done. So you
0: made more headway on the international ratification. Yes. And what was the difference? Why did the government support that in two thousand twelve? Because
1: we are going through the Ministry of Foreign Affairs uh, to ratify this convention. Yeah.
0: And SBY's government quite keen yes. on its foreign policy yes. you know, position and yes. international standards. Yes, yes, yes. Right. But in reality, mm-hmm. what impact does that have nothing. for workers? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. So you need to keep working away yes. of getting... Uh, but at least the
1: ratification done. So take. Yes. <laughs> yes, after that, the new period, we are starting again to... push being priority in the parliament then it's really happening based on the ratification yes so starting on the first january 2015 two years only two years and then it happened fast because yes the committee changed it's the committee changed, not the open uh, pansus, but only panja. So working committee, only from commission commission nine, and the government situation different. The head of the commission nine is Dede Yusuf, the former of vice government from West Java, from Democrat Party. None of these politicians that have no. business interests, no, in no. the recruitment agency. Yeah, so that's very different, um, very different. condition easy for us because there are no economic interests, no yeah. business interests, yeah. and we are building the very close relationship with them, how to day to day to interact with them, formal, informal, about the substance, and we are producing many uh, lobby documents that yeah. make them easy to yeah. To read. So do
0: the work for them, yeah. draft the document. Yeah,
1: if if the government do not want to respond to the draft, then the the parliament said to us, Anis, please you make a press conference and involving us in the parliament. Aye to to pressure the government wow, to wake up again. That's a
0: really good example of the collaborations yes, that can yes. be done. So we made
1: the press conference in the parliament um, media center. Invite the head of the commission nine, mm. also invite the government media is uh huge in in indonesia so it's easy but we also depend on the dynamic of the uh, discussion between parliament and government sometime you know and on the first time in 2015 the discussion is closed for public then we make social media how come you have no time no access to involve indonesian migrant workers around the world if you have the open uh, discussion we can live Facebook, my grandkids can do that, yeah. and everyone can join, can hear, can contribute. know what happened, can contribute uh, through social media. And then after that, all of the discussion okay. opened public.
0: Did you live stream on Facebook or not? Yes.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> from
0: from the commission meeting? Yes,
1: from the commission meeting. Was
0: that the first time that's ever happened? Yes, and yeah. sometime
1: you know, we are sleeping on parliament. So on the last, um, I think in September, October, we are really sleeping in parliament because of the discussion until 2 a.m. Then starting again. 10 a.m., so 10, 2 a.m. in the morning. So, yeah. yeah, we sleep in parliament, in balcony for yeah. civil society. Yeah. But sometimes the the head of the commission always looking for the balcony. You still there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 we're still there. <laughs> you want to be
0: witnesses? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because did you have a voice from the balcony? No. Uh,
1: no, but... But um, you were
0: witnessing and you could WhatsApp. Yeah,
1: <laughs> WhatsApp. And also informal meeting during the break. Then also you are bringing the media there, yeah. but formally we have also the meeting formally with the parliament. We call RDPU uh, Rapat Dengar Pendapat Umum, mm-hmm. so it's formal mechanism between mm-hmm. parliament and civil society. So
0: that's the process. So what was the victory? What were the changes to the law?
1: Changes of the law, the paradigm, the perspective of the law is now becoming human rights. Really, how to protect Indonesian migrant rather than just abroad.
0: facilitate an economic uh, transaction? Yes. which is
1: probably the case. Yes, before. then. The Reducing the role of the recruitment agencies. This was Um, your ultimate goal. Yes, that's the big goal of the role of the recruitment agencies. Recruiting people, processing the document, uh, providing the training, or processing the visa, connecting to the recruitment agencies abroad, placement them, protecting them, them, monitoring them, sending back home. So from A to Z, everything doing by the... Recruitment agencies. And,
0: and not, not a competitive environment, is it? Yes. I mean, in terms of... You know, Only
1: one, yes. So monopolies.
0: In your lecture, you mentioned that yes. Indonesian migrant workers yes, quite high cost.
1: Because of that, because the whole process of migration, so it's like we uh, take a taxi, then we enter the taxi, the argo is uh, running. So it's like that. Yeah. And the argo is not fair. So Yeah, and uh, so the
0: worker accumulates the
1: debt. In the whole process, migrant workers didn't know for what actually they have to pay for seven months of salary reduction. So two years contract, seven right. months, they have to deduct the recruitment fee to the recruitment agencies. If they have a problem with the employer, they change the employer, they yeah. have to pay again. In many cases, for two years, many migrant workers change three um, employers and yeah. only paying to the recruitment agencies. So they yeah. make three months' worth of salary because yes. they owe 21 months. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: mm. so this was the situation which developed under the new order mm. from, what, the 70s, 80s? When, is that is that yes. when it was a kind yes. of established? A few recruitment agencies were, were dominating the space. So through this law... What
1: is the situation now? How has that changed? Of course, the role of the government, especially the local government, is very big. How to provide the, we call, one-stop service, LTSA, in the district and province level. So, training center, also by government, also under national budget. The services is really under the government. So migrant workers now have the better services from the government, then the recruitment agencies only can take the migrant workers from the training centres after they finish the process. Are they still responsible for them when they're overseas and looking after their interests when they're working overseas? Yeah, but not the core role. So the core role is the Indonesian embassies there.
0: Right, so that Mm -hmm. was not the case before
1: yeah and under this new law the labor attache no being a diplomat uh, before only staff okay so that's the Indonesian government from local to diplomatic taking responsibility and and very very detailed what the role of the village what the role of the district because you know during the process of the discussion in parliament my green card bring the head of the village from many communities to talk with the parliament directly about the initiative that we already
0: have this was just brought into law what late last year, mm-hmm. so I guess it's going to be a slow change, or was it a sudden change where the recruitment agencies was cut off?
1: Yeah, of course the law uh, have to implement, and the government no uh, preparing the the implementation. It's a
0: lot of services. Yes. Provide. Uh, yeah.
1: Yes, we have a two years transition. I think until October next year to preparing the new system, to preparing the local government, to preparing the services, mm-hmm. also to socialise the this law. You also
0: mentioned in the lecture that there was a point where the power that the recruitment agencies had was almost farcical. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about this image that you showed us where the Minister of... For manpower was <laughs> attempting to enter one of these recruitment agents. The image was of the minister climbing over the wall or the gate at the front of this
1: premises. Yes. What's the
0: story there? <laughs> in
1: 2015, when Ministry of Manpower received a complaint that some women migrant workers um, detained, uh, in... detained in their dormitory house yeah. uh, of the recruitment agencies, then exploited inside, but they have no access. This is in Indonesia. This is in Japan. Indonesia, yeah. so the minister knocked the door, but the no, no minister opened himself themself, he, opened. He said, I'm going. Yes, knocked the door, but uh, no willing from from the recruitment agencies to open the door. Then, yeah, he climbed the uh, women inside <laughs> asking for protection if us if us. so they're sending messages to people like you and... yeah 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 because in many times actually migrants are always receiving the complaint like that yeah uh, we have no access to the uh, record agencies you can't go to the police we, we... it's
0: not an... yeah
1: sometimes we, we're going to the police
0: obviously now in this particular government there are People within powerful positions that are supporting mm-hmm. the work that you do as well, yes. and that's obvious. That's obviously helped you guys get through mm-hmm. the difficult, more difficult times. But so you're up against these incredibly powerful forces, and yet you had this victory. Okay, so it will take two years to implement these changes. Are you going to be consulting or assisting in like mm-hmm. the shaping of the of local and regional levels, the training, and mm-hmm. all of those things? Is that something migrant care will do?
1: Yes. We are intensively uh, doing the safe migration training, trafficking training for community of migrant workers, also including the official uh, government from the village and district level, how to raise the awareness to understand about the safe migration from human rights perspective. Yeah how to understand their rights, Mm -hmm. um, how if they facing problem, how if recruitment agencies violate uh, information. They Mm. hadn't had before, none of this information
0: about their rights. Yes,
1: yes. If we check the the budget of the the government, it's very small, uh, the budget for the information. Okay, so this is where you might have to also continue to lobby Mm -mm. a little on the budget. Mm-hmm. So usually we're also coming to the school, elementary school, um, also, secondary school. Yeah,
0: In particular areas where you know... Yes, you know, because you know the recruitment areas.
1: agencies also cooperate with the school how to recruiting people. Can the
0: recruitment agencies still do this? Yes. They're still permitted to go to schools. <laughs> so you have to do the counter, <laughs> <Yes>. counter narrative. <laughs> and to do all this, how does Migrant Care manage all of this? Tell us about the structure of Migrant Care.
1: On the first five years, I think we are very limited. Uh, on the first time, three people. So no becoming bigger, yeah. we have around thirty-two staff, and we have brands in uh, six district in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many migrant workers coming from. Mm-hmm. Also, we have brands um, abroad in Kuala Lumpur. We are also still uh, discussing to building the some brands in overseas. Mm-hmm. Yeah you also
0: mentioned that before now the government's responses have been quite reactionary and yes, of course. and you mentioned in particular the moratorium on sending migrant workers can you tell us like, an example of where that's happened and why that's not a good approach
1: yeah, usually it's like response after the case after behead after torture beheading so a, yeah. like, you know a really sensational case. Yeah, 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 like two years ago after two migrant domestic workers beheaded in uh, Saudi then Indonesian government uh, officially uh, made banning, uh, not only to Saudi but also 19 countries in the Middle East right banned any yes
0: new workers yes,
1: yes, but actually under our monitoring in the airport is still uh, going there. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Right, so actually moratorium is... in one side is like political bargaining uh, from Indonesia to the region countries, but it the other side it's like opening mm-hmm. the new way to give the opportunity to the recruitment agencies to think about the alternative way how to still sending abroad. For example, in Saudi, to Umrah, very easy channel how to Use that, yeah. So that mm. then you have human trafficking rather than a transparent migration of
0: workers. Yeah,
1: I remember maybe two years ago when we are talking about the uh, umrah and relating with uh, migrant workers. FBI, you know, from Bombay Islam, yes. Uh, so angry with migrant care, and you, uh, your statement is, uh, you know, violate the citizen right to praying <laughs> to go on hard or <laughs> Yeah. Oh, really? We are not talking about that, but you know. You don't want them m- as enemies as yeah, well. In six months, FBI, um, stay so, in yeah, our. Islamic office. Defenders Front. Yes. They camped outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We think that maybe we should think how actually Umrah is not only praying for some people, but yeah. also there are no criminal opportunities. I want to just draw out a little bit more about the vulnerabilities of the workers and particularly
0: when we're talking about human rights violations Mm -hmm. and in particular you mentioned the cases of uh, the death penalty. So can you give us a sense of that? And you mentioned that Malaysia and Saudi Arabia are where Mm -hmm. there's a lot of Indonesians, uh, migrant workers who are on death row or have been executed. How is this the case that so many of these migrant workers find
1: themselves on such charges? Yeah. For migrant domestic workers, many of them, because of, you know, a conflict with their employer, because uh, defend themselves from the uh, violence, um, so sex violence harassment. domestic violence is quite yes. common. Yes, quite common. Uh, then the employer died. So it's like... Uh, depending mm-hmm. uh, themselves, not, not criminal. So why in many um, cases we we always raise that actually this is not criminal but because of uh, their situation it's very uh, vulnerable to yeah. being victim of the their employer so we, we have to fare um, in the legal process but like in um, Saudi it's very difficult to do that. Is there um, a self-defense in Saudi? Yeah. yeah. If Indonesian government have the information on the first time, they can um, assisting with a lawyer in the beginning of the legal process. The lawyer can explain what happened because okay. if not, usually they said that uh, Please, you said that you are killing. The legal process will going so fast. They guilty. They don't know the criminal system in yeah. the receiving countries. Yeah. it's happening. But if the Indonesian government have the information, mm-hmm. and then uh, the lawyer of the Indonesian government um, assist them, in, will different. So until now, the legal representation for these workers has not been provided by the recruitment agencies, or it's no, but by, by or... the government. Since 2011, the Indonesian government finally have the retired lawyer in Malaysia, in Saudi, in Singapore after the Ruyati case. So Ruyati is uh, one domestic workers in uh, Saudi that have been executed uh, there because of... Um, and Indonesian government didn't know uh, the case. My granddad at the first time uh, read the news from the Arab news. Then we uh, going to the family. So the family didn't know. They were not. Didn't know. The Indonesian mm-hmm. government didn't know. We read on the first time the Arab news, and then it's very sad moment, you know. And yeah. the time. And then it was too late. By the time. Was yeah. Too late, to... too late. Too late. Too um, late. The the daughter. Of yeah. the Ruyati, yeah. uh, always coming to uh, migrant care, um, angry, so angry with SPY. Yeah. So on a case with a case like that, how did you approach
0: that? Like how did who did you talk to? Did you go straight to SBY to try to do some kind of?
1: It's very thing? difficult to talk with SPY. Mm-hmm. We only talk through media at the time, so we okay, protest. Uh, Indonesian embassies in Saudi, then the case um, opened like Pandora box <gasps> right So many Indonesian migrant workers right. are facing That's death me. row in the time more than forty. so then Indonesian government formulate the task force for depending Indonesian migrant workers from death row. Have they had any impact? Yes, they have the data about how many uh, migrant workers actually in death row. About the legal process, about how to ensure that the, we can depend, we can release uh, them from the okay. um, so this detero. has been some success. Yeah, but actually cannot prevent the new case still happening. The new case facing row in Malaysia, in Saudi, in China, in Singapore. This task was only can documenting how many actually. Okay. What about Jokowi? What's his approach on this issue, on the vulnerability of migrant workers? Under the Jokowi government, three migrant domestic workers have been executed in Saudi. Uh, the vulnerability of migrant workers actually is still happening. But at least the Jokowi government success how to change the fundamental regulation about... Yeah. Uh, protecting. Uh, protecting people. And empowering and, them a Empowering them. A Can I ask you to
0: reflect, maybe look back on the past two decades of, you know, your engagement? Mm -hmm. You've come a long way. You could say that the sector has come a long way, it's taken a long time, mm-hmm. but uh, what are your hopes for the next 5 to 10 years for Indonesia's migrant
1: workers? I think we hope that in the next 5 or 10 years, we will see the different situation that migrant workers um, have the better livelihood after going back to Indonesia and they develop their capacity and a migration not um, forced for many society, but being option because they have another choice in Indonesia. For women, I think if uh, there are still an opportunity to many women from Indonesia uh, going abroad uh, working as domestic workers should be regulated under the Indonesian law because if we are asking the other countries to protect our uh, domestic workers, we have to do the first time before asking the other country.
0: Do at home what you yes. expect to happen over um,
1: And how are the importance for Indonesia to ratify the ILO Convention 189 about is- decent work for domestic workers. Right. So we hope that in the 10 years, we are not stigmatize the domestic workers as informal workers, but they are already professional working with decent work, happy, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's honour to be migrant domestic workers. And the Philippines,
0: they definitely have this for the Filipina, that image of her is quite heroic, and, and she's considered quite a professional, skilled worker, mm-hmm. and... So is that kind of what, you, what you're what you hoping will, will eventually happen for the Indonesian worker yes, as well? Yes yes. yes, yes, yes. So migrant care will, will do some work at home looking at mm-hmm. how the laws around yes. the rights of domestic workers at home can mm-hmm. be improved. So that's the goal for the next five, ten mm-hmm. years. Congratulations, Anis, on coming so far, and all the best for your work in Thank the you. future. <laughs> Thanks for talking to us. That was Anis Hadaya from Migrant Care. Talking Indonesia will return on the 1st of August, hosted by Charlotte Setijadi. Remember, you can find the entire Talking Indonesia podcast archive at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog. Subscribe via iTunes so you'll never miss an episode or find us via your favourite podcasting app. Until next time, this has been the Talking Indonesia podcast. Thanks for listening and bye for now.